Good morning. I wore this shirt, so I was sure you guys could see me up here. There. <laughs> I know. Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad you guys came to hang out with us this morning. I'm making my annual appearance. I mean, I know you see guys, you guys see me up here every Sunday singing or leading worship. This is uh, the once a year that I come up and I get to share what's on my heart, what God gives me. Um, I still get butterflies because I feel much more qualified to sing than I do to speak. Uh, but I do find over the years that because um, I work with our ladies and I get a chance to teach um, every other Sunday to our adults, that I get a little bit more comfortable every time. But, that, but I hope that that little feeling of uneasiness and nervousness never goes away because it holds me accountable and makes me aware, so keenly aware of the fact that I have to bring the word of God to you today. And I don't want to say anything that he doesn't want me to say. And, and if you guys know me, there's a lot of things I want to say. And, and so God has to, yeah, so, so I have notes to follow, so I don't do that. But I will tell you something funny that, you know, every time I do this, and I, you know, I'm not Dwayne, I don't use the techie stuff, I always have all my papers, and I won't scare you, but I do have 20 pages up here, but it's because I'm blind and the print is like this big. <laughs> it really is. But, but I, I always find myself going back as I read through it, and I'm like, ooh, oh. And, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me something, but I really do have to stop and pray and say, all right, Lord, is that you or is that just something I'm thinking? I really need to say that because so-and-so might be there and they might need to hear that, that mor this morning. But uh, I really do feel like I've been to the Holy Spirit and um, hopefully you get something out of it today. How many of you were able to hear Dwayne's message last week about the living water and the woman at the well? Anybody was here last week was able to hear it? If you missed it, um, then I encourage you to go back and watch it. It was powerful um, because God wants to fill us with that living water, and he wants us to have an abundant life. And, you know, he's just standing there offering to, to us. We just have to take it, right? We have to accept it. And so I, I really feel like his message is a great segue into what I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, so don't tune out, tune in, because some of you are going to hear, kind of get the gist of what I'm talking about, and you're going to say, that's not me. But I'm going to tell you, as I put this together, Donna Life was convicted, and Donna Life took some inventory and looked over a checklist of things to make sure that I'm okay. So I hope you all lean in and listen this morning. You guys have heard me say um, off and on um, or often that you can have as much of God as you want. And that really is true. It's up to you. It's your choice. So when I talk about making choices today, um, you're going to leave this place making a choice. And you, and you do every week. Every week you leave this place making some sort of choice with whatever we've offered you that day from the word and from the teachings of the Lord. You leave making a choice about what you heard that day. And some of you may leave today somewhat frustrated or even angry with what I share. Some of you may make a choice to stay apathetic and stagnant and remain right where you are. And some of you may leave this place, unfortunately, on a path that will take you further away from God. But some of you will make the decision to choose God, to choose to make him central to your life in all ways. Choose to seek him first above all else, and you will grow, and you will find peace, and you will find joy, and you will find connection in the body of Christ. But whatever you decide today, ultimately, it's going to be your choice. Um, so today, I'm going to tell you, it's time to choose. It's time to choose. It's time to make up your mind, get off the fence, and it's time to choose today. Um, so let's pray. Father, I love you, and you've put, uh, you've, you've put something on my heart to share today, something that I, I feel like you've been dealing with me for quite a while about. 
So, so, so today, God, as I prayed before, I don't want to speak anything other than what you want me to say. I don't want Donna's opinion. I want God's truth. So I pray, Lord, you would anoint my efforts and anoint my words that they would be only yours and nothing more and nothing less. God, I pray you would open hearts, Father, whether they have been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, whether they haven't committed their life to you or they've lived, with you, lived for you their whole life. I pray today, God, that you would touch hearts and change lives and draw people closer to you. Um, because of it, in Jesus' name, amen. So, without trying to sound too harsh, I, I really grow weary of seeing people live half-hearted for Jesus. When you're, when you're in the ministry, you just get a bird's-eye view of that kind of thing a lot of times, and I, really, and I grow weary of that. I, get, I grow weary of people maybe making God an option or, when, or making God convenient when he's convenient for them. I grow weary seeing that. Um, I'm tired of seeing people make church optional. I'm tired of seeing people sit on the periphery of the body of Christ doing nothing but filling a seat. And then these very same people complaining about God and complaining about his church. Are you feeling uplifted and happy right now? <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm here to tell you today it's time to get in or get out. Time to get off the fence. It's time to make a choice. Time to choose this morning. Time is short, and there are too many people who are making God an option, making church an option, and making it all just what's convenient for them. And it's time to make a choice this morning. So if you'll see your kind of your foundational verse for today, it's not a real, you know, cheery one, but it's the truth. So Revelations 3, verses 15 and 16, this is what God says about it. I know all the things you do. And you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, in this culture that we live in, it is so easy to be lulled into a false security. So many voices giving us so much wrong information. You've got to be careful. Dwayne, you know, talked about this. Um, where you go to church, you need to dig into the words yourself because there's a lot of false prophets. There's a lot of people giving their opinion. There's a lot of people twisting the word of God. You need to make sure that you're getting the truth. And we're not perfect, but I will tell you, you will get the truth here. I promise you that. And listen, I'm not saying that we don't have security in Christ, but unfortunately, we are not all looking for security in Christ. We're looking for security other places. And that's why I say we get lulled in this false sense of security. We accept him as Savior, but if we don't continue to grow in him, we become lukewarm. Like the seed on rocky soil, you guys, have heard, you guys have heard the parable of the seed and the sower. Like the seed that's on rocky soil that is shallow and it eventually dies. Or it's growing among the weeds that are still in our life and it gets choked down and it dies, right? And, and I hope you guys don't take this the wrong way, but I really have to pray. I'm just going to be real with you. and I, I have to really pray because... It's hard not to become cynical and discouraged um, when you're in ministry and you pour out your heart to people and you want people to just love Jesus and to, and to accept Jesus. And, and then you watch them not listen and they do their own thing and they become lukewarm and they eventually die to their faith. And it's so hard to watch that. And unfortunately, we're seeing it more and more. And a lot of it has to do with the culture we live in. But today, I want you to make a choice. See, I don't just want you to make a choice, but God wants you to make a choice. 
God wants you to make a choice. He obviously wants you to choose him in his way, but even in this verse, he says, I'd prefer you be cold instead of lukewarm because at least you'd be making some sort of stand and you'd be someone he could work with, someone he could draw to him when you're cold, right? People who are lukewarm, they know who God is. They know who he is. They know what he requires, and they still choose to waver up and down in their commitment to him. How do you work with something like that? Because they know. How do you work with something like that? Lukewarm can be comfortable, but lukewarm can also mean you're on the way to spiritual death. So we're going to talk a lot about this today. And, I, you know, I, I'm like, Lord, this is Mother's Day. Can't you give me something a little bit like, woohoo, really to talk about? But, you know, I mean, there's a reason that God put living water on Dwayne's heart to speak. He wants people to come partake of the living water and live the life he's called you to. So there's a reason he's saying today is the day of salvation. Today's the time to choose, to make a choice and to choose me. So I was, as I was studying, I found this list of truths about lukewarm believers. And what's funny is, and it's probably because I hang around him, this is why it's funny, that, um, that you guys know have heard of Jeff Foxworthy. And you know he does that little um, comedy Stint where he says, "If you la da 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 da, you might be a redneck. If you la la la, you might. and so that's immediately when I was looking at this list, I thought, if you la da da, you might be lukewarm. But I thought, no, I probably shouldn't make a joke about that because that is, this is something very serious. So I'm not going to do that. But we are going to read this list and listen. You're going to hear that now. Y'all are going to hear that in your head now. Because listen, as I read this list, I thought about me." Am I growing lukewarm in some areas? Is, is, is there some things that I need to pay attention to to make sure that I'm okay? Uh, because, you know, none of us are perfect. So, hopefully you won't find any of these true in your own life, but if you do, consider it a red flag. Consider it God getting your attention, and you can change that. So, here we go. Lukewarm Christians only come to God when they have a problem. Lukewarm Christians think their tr Christianity is all about what can God do for me. Lukewarm Christians don't obey God's word and sometimes twist the scripture to justify their own sin. They think they're a good Christian because they're a good person and they go to church, but they're living however they want for six days and reverting to holiness on Sunday. Lukewarm Christians compromise. They're continually leaning to whatever is the world's popular choice. Lukewarm Christians choose to be Christians because of their fear of hell instead of their love of Christ. That's a big deal. Because there is a difference, I'll tell you that right now. They tend to not be repentant, not truly sorry for their sins, nor do they really want to change. They think they're okay because they compare themselves to other people and not to the one who saved them. Listen, you can always find somebody who's worse off than you, but you will never measure up to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your standard. They rarely share their faith. They, came more, they care more about what others think than what God thinks. They're not willing to make any sacrifices, and they love to say things like, don't judge me. <laughs> maybe none of those rang true for you, but if they did, or maybe you even just had to stop and think a minute. Or maybe it's something that God tugged at your heart a little bit. It's not too late to choose. 
So today we're going to talk about five women. You know, I always try to pull women from the Bible. It's Mother's Day, and there are some great stories of women in the Bible, and I don't think I would ever run out of things to talk about them. But today we're going to talk about five who had to make choices, and hopefully by the end of the service, if you haven't already done so, you will choose to go all in for Christ, and you will fix those areas that might be waning lukewarm um, right now. So we're going to start in the beginning, literally. We're going to go all back to Genesis. So if you want to flip over to chapter 2, I don't think this is going to be on the screen, um, but um, we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. So God gives him this instruction, right, this promise, this blessing, honestly, to eat of any tree in the whole garden, only withholding one tree for their protection because he's a good father that way. So we're going to see how Eve responds to that. So, so let's move down to chapter 3, verse 1 in Genesis. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. Now, God did not say that. God did not say they couldn't touch it. He told them not to eat it. She's already twisting things up. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Notice a lot of that. She wanted to... That's what she wanted to do. Did y'all notice any of that? Look down at verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. You ever heard that? The devil made me do it? You ever said that? The devil made me do it? Yeah. Listen, Satan, Satan brings temptation and he twists the truth. And we forget God's promises and we believe his lies and we choose and Many times we choose sin because we, be, we fall into these lies. Remember, remember back on our list of the lukewarm, it said they don't obey God. They twist scripture to justify their sin. They want to know what God can do for them. And that was what Eve was all about. And, and, and listen, she was someone who walked and talked with God in the garden and still did this. She was, but she was all about pleasing herself, instant gratification. It didn't matter what God told them. She wanted to do what she wanted to do, and that's what she chose. And just like Eve, we accept God and Jesus as our Savior. Satan tempts us. We give in to sin, and we walk away from his presence. Sin separates us from God, and we lose the intimacy we once had with him, just like Eve did when she had to leave the garden. She was as close as you could get to God, and she chose that stinking fruit over obeying God's word and staying in close intimacy with him but listen we do it all we do it all the time so many of us do it all the time we have we find Jesus and we have that we're starting that relationship with him and we find this temptation and we follow it instead of following him second Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4 for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching they will follow their own desires and they will reject the truth 
See, the truth was that God offered them everything. And God convinced Eve that, that he wasn't and got her eyes on the one thing that God was protecting them from. And she rejected God's truth and gave in to the enemy's lies. And Eve chose sin. If you want to write that down. Eve chose sin and we do the same. This was a choice that was not good. This was not a good choice. Don't choose sin today. Eve chose sin. People who claim to be believers do it every day. They choose a life of sin instead of the life that God has called them to. And you need to stop and ask yourself, is that me? Is that you today? You don't obey God. You justify your sin. You only want to know what God can do for you. And unfortunately, that's the culture we live in. It's all about me. So don't walk away from God's best for you today. Don't choose sin. Let's, let's forget the enemy's lies and let's focus on God's promises and know that everything he has for us is good and it's what's best for us. So that's Eve's choice. That's the choice we do not want to make. We don't want to make her choice. So let's move on. Let's talk about Rahab. And you're probably thinking, well, I know about Rahab. Her, her popular name was Rahab the harlot, right? So from that name, she obviously made some bad choices. And so you're thinking, what are we going to possibly learn from Rahab the harlot, right? Well, let's, let's think about her story for a minute. So Rahab, she lived in Jericho, right? And Jericho was a pagan culture, so they, weren't, they didn't believe in the one true God. Um, obviously, by her name, we know she was a prostitute. Um, she had established a good living and lifestyle for herself. She was pretty well off. Um, she had heard about the God of Israel, and she decides to believe all that she's heard about him. And Israel sends spies into the city, and she decides to help them. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2. Now, remember, the spies were there just to kind of scope out the city and see if they're, that's something they're going to be able to go in and overtake the city like God had told them to. So, so we're in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12. And Rahab says, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered... You will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. And, and what they decide to do is she ties a red cord outside of her window to ensure they know where she lives and that she's going to be safe. They're going to save her. So that's what she does. So she's getting ready to walk away from all she's ever known. This has been her life. This is where she grew up, where she was raised. From her affluent lifestyle, the comforts of home, her culture, her successful job. She had a very successful job. Everything that is familiar to her comfortable to her so that she and her family can be saved. So this is where we are, we are right here. So let's look down in the same thing, um, chapter 6, verse, verse 17 of Joshua, if you're, if you're following along. And Joshua is speaking now, and he says, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Then skip down to verse 22, and Joshua says again, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. And then verse 25, it all kind of ends up. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house. Because she had hidden the spies, Joshua sent to Jericho, and she lives among the, among the Israelites to this day. So Rahab learned who God was, and she believed it, right? She stepped away from her comforts and her familiarity. She walked away from her culture and became part of God's family. She changed her family tree forever. For those of you who don't know, Rahab is actually in the lineage of Christ. She's one of his great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers. Totally changed her family tree. So don't tell me it's too hard. 
Don't tell me you can't walk away from the life you're living outside of God's will. Rahab made a choice, and Rahab chose salvation. She sacrificed the familiar, the life she knew, and so can you. Don't be like the lukewarm, not willing to make sacrifices. And listen, you may be sitting there saying, listen, I'm saved. I chose salvation, but are you living saved? Are you living like you're saved? Because the day is time to, it's time to choose. Rahab could have believed in God but chose to stay right where she was. She could have said, oh, yeah, that, I've heard about that God. I believe, I believe who he is, and I believe what he's done. But she could have said, but I think I'm good. I like my life. I'm going to stay right here in Jericho. Because, you know, she didn't know if or how they were going to destroy the city. She didn't know that. We know it because we read it. But at this point in her life, she just knows what they've been doing. And she, she could have said, not believed it and stayed where she was. But she believed, and she stepped out by faith. She left all she knew behind, and she joined God's chosen people, the family of God. If she had chosen to stay, it, could have, it would have been destruction and death for her and her entire family. Even though she said she believed in God and what he had done. If she had chosen to stay in Jericho, it would have ended in destruction and death. So if you say, I'm saved, I believe and you're not stepping forward in faith, if you're, not just, if you're just remaining where you are, living a life that God saved you from, it will end in destruction and death. you got to move forward. you got to connect to God's family, and you have to choose to live in the salvation that God offered you. It's not a one-time thing. You know, Dwayne says it a lot of times. It's, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It is a lifetime journey. So, man, don't, don't stay where you are. God saved you from that life. Step forward. I don't want to see you end in destruction and death. So let's move on. Let's talk about Ruth. Ruth's one of my favorites. Love Ruth. Love the story of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She was married to an Israelite who had moved to Moab. Her husband died. Her husband's brother died. And then her father-in-law was dead too. So here are these three widows with no means of support. And in those days especially, it was, I mean... You know, women were at the bottom of the, you know, the pack, and they, and if they didn't have a husband, I mean, they were as good as dead, honestly. So they had no means of support. So Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, decides to go back to Israel and hopefully get some help from her family. And so she tells her daughters-in-law to stay in their country with their family. And Orpah, Ruth's sister-in-law, eventually decides that that's a good idea, and so she stays. And so we're going to pick up the story in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in the second half of the 14th verse, if you want to follow along. That says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her family and to her gods, and you should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So Ruth, um, she had recognized who God was. She knew it was a big deal to stay with her mother-in-law and follow her where she was going. I mean, that was a huge statement. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you die, I'm going to die. I'm just going with you because I know this is the direction I need to go in. So Ruth knew this was the right choice, even though it had to be hard to walk away from family and friends. And she knew this was the right path to take. So she goes to Israel with Naomi. A new place, a new start. She's introduced to Boaz. He's a relative of Naomi. Of Naomi's, he's a, what they call a kinsman redeemer. 
someone who is next of kin who can step in and marry a widow to continue her husband's family line and take care of her. So with Naomi's encouragement and blessing, she follows Naomi's direction and plan for their family's deliverance and salvation. And we pick up down in chapter 2, verse 5, continuing the story, if you're following along. Then Boaz asked the foreman, asked his foreman, who is this young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I've warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water uh, they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, rewards you fully for what you have done. So Ruth is walking in obedience. And God is providing and he's blessing. If, if they would have stayed in Moab, they would have probably died of starvation. Um, but she's walking in obedience and, and she's getting food and she's getting water. And God is providing and blessing. And you may be wondering why things might not be working out so great for you. Maybe you're still living in Moab. Maybe you haven't chosen to walk away from your old life and follow God and his plans for your future. Can't have both ways. Have you gotten stuck? Did you decide to stay in Moab? Let's look at uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Then Bo Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Mahlon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Mahlon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. So Ruth reached her destiny. The abundant life God had planned for her because she made a choice. And here's a choice Ruth made. Ruth chose new life. God offers you new, new life, but you've got to choose to walk in new life, to live in new life. She walked away from family and friends she knew would take her down the wrong path. She chose God's way and walked into a totally new life. God blessed her and redeemed her beyond her wildest dreams because she chose new life. And you can too. So you just need to walk away from what God told you to walk away from when he saved you. Somebody's hanging on. Somebody's still hanging out in Moab. Stop living in Moab and choose a new life today. Choose new life today. It's just so easy, you know, as I went through this to think, and I do the same thing, you know, if you've been in church for a while or, or not, or at the very least you've accepted you know, Christ as your Savior, that everything's okay, that false sense of security we get. We've got to constantly make a choice every day that we're going to walk in salvation. We're going to walk in new life. We're not going to choose sin. It's an ongoing process, and these women made the right choices. Psalm 40 and 8 said, David said, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. One version says, God, I want to do what you want. And that's where you need to be if you don't want to be lukewarm. 
It's time to choose. Choose a new life. Leave your Moab and reach your destiny in Christ. It's a big deal. Choose a new life today, guys. If you haven't already, choose a new life. Walk away from whatever your Moab is. Walk into new life and reach that destiny God has for you. So we're going to talk about another woman now who had to make a tough choice. Oh, actually, I don't think it really should have been that tough, but it might have been. I don't know. And she's only known as the woman caught in adultery. So let's look down in John 8, verse 3. They didn't give her a name, but she made it into the Bible, so it's a big deal. So Jesus is, is speaking. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. And his last instructions were, Go and stop sinning. Sin no more. She had a choice. Jesus said, Stop sinning. She could go back to her old ways, or she could embrace a new life in Christ. She could choose sin, or she could choose salvation. And we don't even know for sure what she chose. We just know what Jesus' last instructions were to her. We don't even know what she chose. We can only hope she chose to go and sin no more, to change her life, right? Remember our lukewarm list said, lukewarm believers are not truly repentant. They're not truly sorry for their sin, nor do they want to change. So we can only hope that she wanted to. 1 John 3, 8 through 10. But when people, this is, this is a tough one, y'all. This is, uh, I mean, I want you to really pay attention to this. This is a tough one. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. That's a tough pill to swallow, y'all. That's blunt and to the point. But it's saying if you say, I belong to Jesus, I received him as my Savior, I'm a child of God, and all people see in your life is a constant practice of sinning over and over, it says, then you are not children of God. You are children of the devil. Feels good, doesn't it? If you keep on practicing sin consistently after you claim to be a child of God, you really aren't. You may be thinking, how could this woman not have walked away changed? She was right there in front of Jesus in his presence. He saved her from death. But many of us walk away from Jesus when he's done the same thing for us. Just as he's tugging at our heart and asking us to stop sinning. So today, I ask you, choose to sin no more. Choose to stop sinning today. Make the choice. Jesus is saying, stop sinning, stop being lukewarm, live like you love me, live like you're saved. <laughs> is it too much to ask? I'm 
And the last woman I'd like to talk to you about is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, <laughs> you probably would be too if a giant angel appeared to you, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will, you, born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And after having said all this, the shocking news to, to sweet little Mary, we look down to verse 38, and Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, knowing Donna life the way I do, I would probably have a few questions. And I might have even argued a little bit with him about how that didn't work. And here's sweet Mary, and this is why God chose Mary. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. Listen, maybe God has asked you to do some hard things, but I bet it wasn't that hard. Mary was setting herself up to be ridiculed and ostracized and, maybe, ostracized and maybe even put to death. At this point, she probably thought that Joseph would walk away from her as well. And remember our list, the lukewarm care more about what others think than what God thinks. And if Mary would have been that way, then she would have had a lot to worry about if she worried more about what other people thought. Because there, there was a lot of talk going on. But regardless of this anticipated hardship, she chose to obey she submitted herself as a servant of God. She didn't even have to fully understand it all to say yes. In her, you know, in her brain, she couldn't understand how it was all going to pan out, how that's going to work. She said, I'm a virgin. I don't even know how this is going to work. When she said yes. She put her own wants and desires on hold to fulfill God's plan. And God prompts us to serve in the nursery or to be an usher or help in kids' church or serve on work day or help out and thrive or be a women's ministry team leader or even host a small group, and we run the other way. And we say, that's way too much to ask of me, God. That's way too inconvenient. It's way too hard. We don't want the inconvenience. We don't want to commit. And God just wants us to say, I'm your servant, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. He doesn't want your excuses. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. That's not my thing. I don't like kids. I'm not talented enough. Yada, 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 yada. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He'll take care of the rest of it. So you can make all the excuses you want, and God is calling you to just obey him. Listen to God. Mary chose obedience, so we should choose obedience today. Isaiah 29, 13 says, And so the Lord says, These people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen, you can say I'm saved, I'm a believer, 
I go to church, I accepted Jesus. You can say all those things. Jesus says, your lips say one thing, but your life is showing me something totally different. You say you're a Christian, but are you living a life that reflects it? Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And here's the deal. Dwayne's been talking about the living water. Are you drinking from it or are you becoming a cracked cistern? That's what he talked about last week. A cracked, dried up cistern. Dried up, nothing flowing in and definitely nothing flowing out. Are you choosing salvation? Are you choosing new life? Are you choosing to walk away that sin that has entangled you? Are you choosing to live in obedience to God? And if you can say no to any of these, or you just feel a little bit unsure, or maybe there was just a little tug or red flag when we went through that checklist or mentioned some of these things that you were like, I need to step back and listen, I did. When I read through that list and I heard some of these things, Donna had to do some checking. You might be lukewarm, and that's not good, or at least on the path to becoming lukewarm. See, if some of those things were tugging at you today and you're thinking, maybe I'm not there, but my, I might be on the path to it, so I need to take care of it today, right now. And listen, I told you I would much, I, you know, it would be great if one of these years God would give me a sermon that was just all frills and happiness and sunshine and giggles, but... Um, so I'm not trying to be, to judge you or beat you up today. I'm just telling you what God put in my heart. And the time is short. And I just want you to choose. And God wants you to choose. And he wants you to choose him. And he wants you to not just choose him, but choose his way of life. And choose a life of joy, peace, and abundance. You know, don't be like Eve. Don't be like Eve and miss God's best for you. Don't choose your way. Don't listen to the enemy and his lies. Don't choose to think your way is better than God's way. Because here I'm here to tell you it's not. We heard this verse all the time. I've heard this verse for years because this is what Dwayne has quoted to youth groups over the years. And so, Jordan, I know you've heard it a gazillion times. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plans. Your plans can't be any better than that. So I would ask you, choose God today. Choose his way. Choose his plan. Even if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, be sure you're not on the path to being lukewarm. Choose God's way. Go all in. Turn away from whatever it is that might be leading you down the wrong path. So I'm going to ask you at this point, just, just to close your eyes for a minute, just like we always do at this point of the service. Maybe you say, yeah, that, this is me. All these things, man, I, there were a lot of check marks when I heard this, this is me. And I want to be on fire for God. I, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. I want to walk in new life. I want to walk in obedience. I want to serve. I want, I want to walk in service to God who saved me, and I want to step up and live the abundant life he's called me to. If that's you today, man, I just ask you. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I would say either just lift up your hand for a second or just make eye contact with me. If you feel that that's where you are today, you're living a lukewarm life.
walk in new life. I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to walk in service to the God who saved me. And of course, these altars are always open if you'd like to come and pray. And someone will meet you here if you feel like you just need to come and lay something at the feet of Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us enough that when you see us in a place that might be pulling us away from you, in a place where we're riding the fence, where we're double-minded, where we have that lukewarm status, we're becoming stagnant, that you love us enough, that you give us direction. You give us a way out. You give us your word. So Lord, those who raised their hands today, those who looked at me and, and just want this prayer, God, I pray today that they would just make up their mind once and for all. And not that it will be always be easy, but they will make up their mind once and for all that I choose Jesus today. I've, I, I already accepted him as my savior. I know what he's done for me, but today I choose to walk in salvation. I choose to walk in new life. I choose to walk away from sin and instead walk in obedience to the God who saved me so that I can live out the life he has planned for me, this good, abundant life. I've got to pray this for each and every one, including myself, Lord. And I would recognize these red flags of lukewarmness that raise their ugly heads sometime. And instead, I would choose salvation. I would choose new life. I would choose obedience to follow hard after you, God. I pray they would have the strength to do that and to make that choice every morning when they get up. Remember who they are in you. Remember what you did for them so they can live the abundant life in Christ. God, time is short. It's time for people to choose you or walk away. There is no such thing as a halfway Christian, you're all in or you're not. And Jesus is coming back. And I want every person in this building to be able to go home to Jesus when he calls our name. Lord, I pray for those in this building today who maybe even hadn't, haven't taken the first step. Maybe they don't even know you, Lord. I pray that today, Lord, just even hearing these words that were for those of us that are already believers, that they would to take that next step to find out about this Jesus, about this God, this God of salvation, this God who offers new life and abundance, that today, Lord, they would accept you and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, God, that no one would leave this place unsure of their eternity, but all would have made a choice to accept Jesus as their Savior, to live a life for Jesus, their Savior, a life that reflects that they are children of God, not just in word only, but in action. us now, you know, the list said lukewarm believers rarely share their faith. Let us change that today. Let us walk out on fire for you. Share the good news of Jesus to this world, dear God, because time is short, and I know you're coming back, and I want to take as many people with me as I can. May we all have that desire, God. 
Lord, I love you. I thank you for the privilege to speak your word today. May it go forth. May it penetrate hearts and may it change lives, not because of me, God, but because of you and the anointing of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word. And I ask you all these things in the name of Jesus. encourage you to do, and a lot of times Dwayne will say this too, is to find somebody to share your new commitment with. Whether it's a new commitment to get out of that lukewarm status, or maybe it's a brand new commitment that you just accepted Jesus today. But find somebody who can hold you accountable and help you as you pursue God in a greater way today. So stop living half-hearted for God. Let's go all in and choose Him and all He wants for us today. I want to thank you guys for being here, putting up with me. Listen, I pray for revival. That has been on my heart. I pray for revival. But it's going to take some lukewarm Christians getting hot for Jesus. I pray for revival. And I pray for hearts on fire for God. Happy Mother's Day.